Well, good evening. You know, when God wants to get our attention, uh, he has a lot of options available to him. One of the things that he does is he shows us his glory, and glory has a lot of different connotations, but when you see God's glory, uh, it's unmistakable. Uh, You are immediately impressed. Uh, For example, the heavens are declaring the glory of the Lord. I drove into church this morning. We had a 9 o'clock service. I got here about maybe 8 o'clock or something, but no, it was about 7 o'clock. But as uh, as I was driving in, see that sun coming up, and it's just like glory, just magnificent God. There's no doubting that. Uh, You can see the glory of God in other people. Sometimes the glory of God is this overpowering radiance, this blinding brightness, as we'll we'll see in a passage tonight. And so nobody who sees and understands God's glory yawns and says, pass the potatoes. I mean, it's, it's impressive. And that was the case with the shepherds outside of Bethlehem the night that Jesus was born. A few minutes ago, Hannah read the passage that we're going to consider tonight. And so we're going to work our way through this account of the birth of Christ and the, the shepherd's response to the glory of God. And then we're also going to, going to look at some other passages and kind of take a survey of different ways that God has revealed his glory in Christ Jesus and how he will reveal his glory in Christ Jesus. And we'll notice how people responded to the glory of God in Christ and just to let you know, at the end of the, the, the message tonight, I'm going to invite you to give glory to God. I'm going to invite you to respond to the glory of God the same way that the shepherds did. Other messages in the sermon series on the glory of God have talked about how we could respond to God's glory in an ongoing way by giving him glory in the details of life. But tonight, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to encourage you to respond here and now the same way that the shepherds did. And so I would ask you, as we go through these passages, ask yourself the question, what about Jesus impresses me? What amazes me? What fascinates me about Jesus Christ and what God has done in Christ? If you can answer that question, then you're in a place to give him glory the way the shepherds did. And so we look first at Luke 2, the glory of God at the birth of Christ. And in verses 8 and 9, we're told that, the, that God displayed his glory to, quote, some shepherds. He didn't display his glory to everybody in Bethlehem. It was very specific to some shepherds who were in the, in the field near the town of Bethlehem where Jesus would, had been born. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. This is the common response to angels. Uh, Every time angels appeared almost, people were just terrified. Now, if you look at Renaissance paintings of angels, you don't get that impression. They look a lot more like my grandson, my two-month-old grandson. Angels look like chubby, just uh, precious Caucasian babies is what they, they look like. That is not the impression you get from Scripture, okay? In Scripture, angels are fierce. Angels are ministering spirits that God sends out on his behalf to give a message or to fight a battle to do his will. And so they saw this angel, and and the glory of the Lord accompanied it. It was this blinding radiance, this, this light. 
And we read here, and they were terribly frightened. The King James Version said they were sore afraid. And oftentimes, as here, the angels try to, try to quell their fears. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so he says, you have nothing to fear. I'm not here to harm you. I'm actually here to bring you the gospel, good news of a great joy. And it's not just for a few people, but it's for all the people. Specifically, this message is that today in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so Jesus would be the one that saved people from their sins. God knew that we could not save ourselves. And so he sent a Savior to save the people from their sins. And the shepherds would later report this to Mary and Joseph, this good news. In verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a, ba- in a manger. So apparently all newborn babies were wrapped in cloth, and that's what we do today, right? We wrap up babies tight to keep them warm and to keep their arms from flailing about. And so that was not the sign. The sign was that this baby wrapped in cloth would be in a manger, in a feeding trough, okay? That would be something. That's the sign that pointed to this, this Savior, In verses 13, we read that God pulled back the curtains of heaven just a bit more, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The term host was a military term. It's sometimes translated army. And so with this initial angel that appeared, there was a whole army of angels that appeared with him, with, with this, this angel. We sing this song sometimes that talks about the God of angel armies is on our side. The Lord, that's an allusion to the Lord of hosts. Our Lord has these hosts of, of armies. And so here we have an angel army, and they began praising God. And the angels declare that the birth of Christ affects both heaven and earth. First of all, he, they praise and they say, glory to God in the highest, in the highest regions of heaven, God deserved glory for the birth of this child on earth. And the, the image here is that the hosts of heaven are looking down and, and uh, they, they acknowledge that there is nothing quite as impressive as Jesus humbling himself and taking on flesh and blood to die for the sins of the people. There's nothing quite like Jesus laying aside his heavenly prerogatives and becoming one of us. And so, if possible, God's glory would grow in the highest of heavens. His reputation would swell and grow at the birth of Christ. And the second element of this praise was a declaration of peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. And so, because of Jesus' eventual death and resurrection, uh, there is peace. There's this shalom, and the shalom is, first of all, between God and humanity. And so, we can have this wholeness in a relationship with God, and consequently, we can have peace 
with one another. We can have wholeness in relationships. And so if you have a peace with God, you have nothing to prove. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to try to impress people. You're secure. It is well with your soul. And so now you're in a place to have peace with other people. And so shalom with God and with others would come through this child. In verses 15 through 20, uh, Luke explains how the shepherds responded to this glory of God they had seen and heard. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And notice the difference in the response between Mary and Joseph and everyone else. And all who heard it, all who were there, they wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And so all of them were legitimately in awe. They had wonder at this announcement. But Mary, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And when you treasure something, you hold it as precious. You hold it as dear. You don't want to let go of it. And that was Mary's response to this message that Jesus, he was not only going to sit on the throne of David, he would be the Savior. He's the one that would save the people from their sins. And Mary was a, a contemplative young woman. She was probably a teenager. And so she held on to this and it says she pondered it in her heart. Uh, that's what she did when the angel nine months earlier had told her that she was going to bear the Christ, uh, Jesus, who would sit on the throne of David forever. Twelve years later, when they went to Jerusalem and Jesus stayed in the temple, Mary comes and says, Jesus, did you not know that we would be looking for you? And Jesus said, uh, you should have known that I had to be, I had to be in my father's house. And a couple verses later, we're told, and Mary treasured up these words in her heart. Back to the shepherds. Having experienced the glory of God, this, this radiance, having heard the declaration, glory to God in the highest, having seen it for themselves, it was a very natural thing for them to give glory to God as well. Verse 20, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. And so they were impressed, okay? They were impressed at what they had seen. They had seen the glory of God. They had experienced it. And so they responded by giving him glory, by acknowledging his glory, and they joined in praising him. And so it was something of an echo. They experienced the glory of God, and they echoed it back by giving glory. They heard the praise, and they turned around and praised God as well. And so that was their natural response. The result was that the glory of God was magnified. And the same thing can be true of us. You know, when we experience the glory of God, when we're impressed with him, and we just are, are in, in our heart of hearts going, God, you're magnificent. There's no one like you. You're amazing. I'm fascinated by who you are and what you do then it's just the most natural thing in the world for us to turn around and give him glory and to give him praise. And the good news is, is that you don't have to try to manufacture some type of artificial enthusiasm about God, okay? You just need to see him for who he is. You just need to be impressed and amazed 
and fascinated with the God, uh, with the God in whom and what he's done in Christ Jesus, for there's no one like him. There's no one that even comes close when it comes to being impressive. And so I want us to take a quick survey of, of the ways that the glory of God was revealed and will be revealed in Jesus. And again, I think the reason these, we're told these events is so that we'll be impressed in a deep place in our souls. We will be impressed with Jesus, and we will respond the way the shepherds did, by glorifying and praising God. And so in John 1.14, this is a, a verse we've, we've mentioned a couple times in this series, but we see the glory of God in Jesus' life. In the very first chapter of John's gospel, uh, John mentioned that the glory of our Heavenly Father was on display in Jesus' life in a unique way. We read this, John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, and it was glory as of the only begotten from the Father full of grace and truth. They looked at Jesus and they saw the glory of the Father. You remember in John 14 when Philip said to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father and that's enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, Philip, you've been with me so long and don't you understand, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And when people saw Jesus, when they really understood who he was, they, they saw this glory. And they were amazed. They saw that he was compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. They, they were impressed. God is like this. God is like Jesus. Matthew 17, we see the glory of God at the transfiguration. In Matthew 17, it records that there was one occasion when Peter, James, and John uh, got a glimpse of the glory that Jesus had possessed from eternity past and the glory that Jesus would possess in eternity future. We read this in Matthew 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, and they were terrified. So this is one of the things that the, the disciples experienced that forever impressed them. When you experience the glory of God, you're impressed and you respond. Initially with fear sometimes, usually, but eventually with praise. In Luke 19, we see the glory of God at the triumphal entry. And this, this triumphal entry refers to Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem the, the week before he was betrayed. And, uh, and crucified. And the, the crowds made a declaration that's going to sound very familiar. It's going to sound very similar to the declaration that the angels made at his birth. Luke 19 records this. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory 
in the highest. And so they declared, Jesus, we've seen your miracles. We've heard you teach because of who you are. You deserve glory in the highest reaches of heaven. And you may remember this text. The Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, rebuke your, your disciples for what they've said. It's totally inappropriate that they would say this about you. Do you remember what Jesus said to them? He said, if they remain quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus will receive the glory he's due. And it was just echoed in these crowds as he entered Jerusalem. John 12 talks about the glory of God at the crucifixion. When Jesus thought about his impending death, he thought about it. One of the ways he thought about it was in terms of God's glory. In John 12, we read this. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So Jesus said, glorify your name. The name of God represents everything he is, his character, and, uh, and, and his, really his essence. And so through God, through Jesus, God had already shown the magnificence of his name. He had demonstrated his compassion, his grace, his, his loving kindness. And at the cross, he would glorify his name again. And there he would show in a unique way how magnificent he was. He would show that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, this is for anybody, for whoever believes will not perish but will have eternal life. How can we not be impressed at the cross, at a God who would die for us, who would sacrifice himself for us? And one last example, and this is in Luke 9, the glory of God at Jesus' return. We're told in, in numerous places that when Christ returns, he will return in glory. In other words, when he returns, his impressiveness will be on full display. When he came the first time, it it was very easy to ignore him. You could mock him if you wanted to. You could ridicule him and you could say, thanks, but no thanks. When he returns, that's not going to be an option. His glory is going to be on fullest display. So we read this in Luke 9. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And so when he comes, his glory is going to be uh, irrepressible and nobody's going to miss it. Uh, Philippians 2 actually says that that that, when, when Christ returns on that day, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
And so when, when you survey the New Testament, you see the glory of God in Jesus from first to last. You see God's glory at his birth. You see God's glory in the way he, he taught, in the miracles he did, in the way he interacted with people. I mean, you just saw how impressive God was, how magnificent God was in all these things. They saw it at the, the transfiguration. They saw it at the triumphal entry. Uh, we see it at the crucifixion, and we will see it at the return of Christ. And so my question for you tonight is, what do you find impressive about Jesus? Maybe it's out of everything we've talked about, or it could be something else you know about him. What amazes you? What fascinates you about Jesus? Maybe it's his humility that he actually would lay aside his heavenly prerogatives. Not many of us do that. I say, I'm going to choose a path that I know will be painful and hard. But Jesus did that. It's glorious. It's amazing. Uh, I this, this experience uh, has happened twice in 29 years. Uh, it, was a couple, it was about a month and a half ago. I got an email from somebody. They Googled churches in Manhattan, and they found us and found my email. This guy wrote, me, wrote down his whole, his whole life story, and he said, if you're not too busy, I'd like to come in and talk. He came in. We talked. And it's just an amazing thing. Had never heard the, the parable of the prodigal son, and I was able to explain to him that God is a God. He's like the father who looks down the road. He just wants his kids to come home. He longs for them to come back. It doesn't matter what they've done, what they've squandered, uh, how, how far they've strayed. He just wants them to come, come back. And it's a glorious thing. And so I am fascinated that Jesus is a good shepherd who leaves the 99 and he goes out and he seeks the one. How impressive. Who does that? Jesus does that. Or maybe you're impressed at the way, uh, the, the way God sent a Savior for us. When he knew we couldn't save ourselves, he sent a Savior. 1 Timothy 1, Paul said, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, not to pat righteous people on the back and say, I'm really on your side. I'm really proud of you here. No, he came to save sinners. And so what, what impresses you? What delights you? What, what amazes you about Jesus? And now the question is, will you respond in the depths of your heart by giving glory and praise to God? Will you respond the way the shepherds did? As we discussed last Sunday morning, one of the ways we can do that is we can be like the man who was healed from leprosy. We can come back and give thanks. One of the ways you give glory to God and acknowledge his, his magnificence is simply by saying thank you. Even if your life is really, really hard right now, there are things for which you can give thanks. There are things you can praise God for because he's, he's always generous and he's always good. Or maybe you give glory to God by bowing the knee and confessing, Jesus, you're my Lord. See, one day, every single one of us will confess that. Why not do it tonight? Maybe you've never done this in your life. Maybe you've never bowed the knee to Jesus. What if you say, Jesus, I agree. You are Lord. You're master. And so I bow the knee to you. I want you to be my Lord. I want to follow you. And so you can do that tonight. Logan talked about that for the very first time. Or maybe there's some area of your life or some circumstance that you want to submit to him. You just bow the knee to him and say, God, I give this to you. 
will you take it? And so in all these ways, we can give glory to God. And so in, in a sense, I want us here tonight in this room to imitate what happened at the birth of Christ. And so it started with an angel and the glory of the Lord, and then the glory of God was magnified when an army of angels joined in, and then his glory was magnified even more when the shepherds glorified God and praised him. That's what I want to happen here tonight. Will you glorify God? Together, let's magnify the name of Jesus. And so we're going to have a time where just in the quiet of the moment, you can, you can give glory to God. You can praise him for whatever you find impressive. And then we're going to have some more time of, uh, of worship through song. And that's what we do when we sing. We're not filling the time. We're giving him the glory. And so would you, would you pray with me? God, thank you for bringing us into this, this place here tonight. God, it's no coincidence that, that any one of us are here tonight. Uh, God, we are here because uh, you're a God who pursues us. You leave the 99 and you seek us out. And God, we, uh, uh, some of us are in, in terribly difficult circumstances. God, perhaps this is the time when our praise and our glory glorifying of you means the most. And so, God, we turn to you now in our spirits, in our hearts. And, God, we're, we're reminded that you are magnificent. So we pour out our praises. We give you glory because you're amazing. You're magnificent. You proved it at the birth of Christ throughout Jesus' life, the death and resurrection. And it will be uh, undeniable at his return. And so we give you glory. We give you praise now.